I guess a common pitfalls for you when it comes to marketing is that really not setting the right objectives. Because you're, if you don't have the right objectives and the right goals in mind, then you would have the different expectations. And I've, I've seen it several times where they want to create, let's say, brand awareness, but they're doing it through a different channel and therefore they were expecting something else. And that's a common thing. If you don't have a full understanding of your tools, the features that you're in, that, that it has, and what it can do for your association, then of course the needs are not aligned. The value proposition of that tool as well also is not aligned with your needs. Yeah, can I say ditto? That was a great answer, Lily. I think it's uh, it's. I think the 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 main thing is understanding the value and understanding what you're offering. And the main pitfalls of a sponsorship program is just making assumptions. Like, well, we should somebody should sponsor this for fifty thousand. I'm like, why? Like, why do you think that somebody should sponsor that for fifty thousand dollars? Like that. I, it's hard to separate the two that you're like so invested in your own association, which is a really great thing. And then trying to separate the fact that you now have to educate this potential sponsor about what you do and also tell them why it's valuable for them to be involved. And also not to mention that all of these sponsors are have, you know, limited amount of dollars to spend and so much competition. And welcome to our expert panel discussion on how to boost your association's revenue with sponsorships and automated marketing. As our expert panelists today, we have like our very famous Ed Byers, and we have our very own media Israel as well. And but before we go to our panelists and do a short introduction, like I really want to share this exciting news with everyone. Like we are launching our online community, and it's for everyone, it's for free, and it's for all the association leaders and experts in our network itself who can come in, join in, and have like a discussion, resource sharing between each other. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be wonderful and it's going to be like very dynamic as well. The whole community is built on Member Lounge, and uh, Member Lounge is our cutting edge platform uh, designed to transform how associations engage with their members and like basically drive growth, drive engagement, and taking your member marketing to autopilot as well like it serves as an all-in-one solution um, and like a solution for associations offering a seamless blend uh, of member management even coordination communication sh uh, resource sharing and much more when you're on your website you just type in memberlounge.app uh, memberlounge.app and when you enter um, it takes you to our member lounge website where you can see and learn more about member lounge itself but this is what you have to do you just click on join member lounge now but right now we really want to jump into the session and uh like connect with ed and lydia and talk about the important topic of the day is how we can increase and boost association revenue with sponsorship and automated marketing and meet edward buyers He's the director of membership at the Canadian Society of Association Executive, CSAE. He's a passionate not-for-profit executive who has a significant role in boosting partnerships in the association realm. Um, and then we also have our very own Lydia Israel. Uh, she's the marketing manager at Gripe Digital, who is also an expert in agile marketing and business development. She has led both local and international organization to immeasurable success in her 20 years of career. And I really hope that I haven't butchered any of the introduction for Ed and Lydia. Uh, if I have missed out anything, please, Ed and Lydia, go, like, you can come forward, introduce yourself to the audience, or definitely tell us something that is not usually on your bio. I would, like, I would love to learn that. Yeah, go ahead, Lily. I, I think, uh, thanks, Niaz. Thanks for, for having me today. And uh, no, I think, uh, yeah, you did a good job on, on my bio and uh, happy to share more as sort of the conversation evolves. But uh, yeah, with CSAE and helping uh, other associations uh, really drive new revenue, primarily through sponsorship. So happy to chat. All, always excited to chat about all things sponsorship. Amazing. Hi, I'm Lydia. Um, I think that was a really good introduction from Nias. Thank you for that. Um, very kind words. Um, I have several, um, I do have different um, industries, uh, background in industries in marketing, but mostly it's all in marketing. And I'm excited to have you here. Awesome. Awesome. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you for both of you for joining us today. And uh, as Ed was mentioning that, like, he has so much knowledge when it comes to non-new revenues and sponsorship as well. So I'll definitely go ahead and 
asked like my first question that I usually come up across like when I'm talking to a lot of association executives as well, that um, a lot a lot of association executives, a lot of people has ideas on revenues and how to generate revenues, but there's always um, like a line between understanding what a non-due revenue is and what general revenue is. Uh, so uh, like what are non-due revenues and what are the common misconceptions that people have about non-due revenues? Yeah, I, uh, if that, that's it. For me, I think non-dues revenue, I think if we look at any association, we look at member dues, which are the dues, which are your dues, whether you're, they're voluntary or if you're a regulatory body, your um, your members, you know, are, I will say, arm twisted to pay their membership dues. Um, and so everything else is really buckets into non-dues revenue. So I think when you look at all of the different categories, how I break it down with any association, as I say, you know, what are what are your membership dues? So what are you what are you earning annual, annually for your members? from your members for their membership dues. And then let's look at everything else. And, and you're probably gonna to get to some questions around how do we increase that. But um, I don't think there's, I, I'm not sure there's too many misconceptions about non-dues revenue. I think a lot of associations think of sponsorship as sort of the primary driver for non-dues revenue, but there's a lot of other, there's education, there's um, granting like grants, federal grants or provincial grants. There's, um, uh, yeah, like I said, um, Sorry, there's some banging happening outside of my house. So if you can hear that. Um, yeah, I think everything. So if you just basically look, I look at it, like if I go into an association and look at their budget and go, okay, where's all the money coming in from? And everything outside of 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 member dues to me is a non-dues revenue line item. Um, and if there's some, you may not be able to increase and some might have some real potential. And so that's where I would always start. Right, right. And as you, as you talked about, so anything that has to do with, like, so the first thing that in terms of revenue generation is your membership dues, and anything apart from that, which is generating revenue for your association itself, can be considered as non-due revenue, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I look at non. It's just you just if you break down the term itself, non-dues. So anything that's not membership dues. Um, uh, and I think there's some primary, if you look at most association budgets, it's probably, you know, member dues, sponsorship, you know, government granting, um, there's some familiar line items that you'll see in, uh, in most associations, um, education. So maybe if you run a certification program or a designation program, that could be a line item. Um, there's conferences and events. That's a huge one. So a lot of associations have their annual conference or their event. Um, and that can be a huge revenue line um, uh, for for associations. So that is a non-dues. It's not member dues. So therefore, it's a non-dues revenue line item. That makes sense. Right, right. And as you talk about sponsorship, and this has came up so many times as well, that many associations struggle to convince their potential sponsors, uh, like basically struggle explaining the value that they can provide, like to partner with them, to connect with them. Can you share uh, like a real life example of how associations can effectively secure a sponsorship deal that can significantly boost your revenue? Yeah, I think I would go back a step and say, you know, what's your value proposition for your association to begin with? So like why are members joining um, and what do you have to offer? And so, if you know, you look at you look at it holistically and go, OK, we're the association for you know, I just got off a call with uh, an association that was in the childcare space, and we were talking all about uh, their annual conference and ways to to raise more money. And uh, and so you look at the value prop, like who's so f for specifically for sponsorship. It's you know, I call it you know we call it the WIFM. What's in it for me from a sponsor? So if I'm if I'm if I'm the association of of dentists, I'm going to look and go. Okay, first of all, who wants to be in the room? Let me go back and say, do I have a supplier category member? So do I have members that are association members? And do I have a, a business supplier member category? Those folks are the ones that want to connect with your association members. That's your first prime target of potential sponsors to elevate their relationship with the organization. Uh, if they're already paying member dues as a business member or a, or a um, supplier member, there may be more that they want to do. And maybe not, and that's okay. Um, but maybe there's more exposure that they want with the association members and there's more that they can contribute and depending on their budget. And so uh, I think uh, looking at the value prop of the organization, looking at from a sponsor's lens, you know, it's not it really, I, I promise you, it's not, you know, I have people come to me and say, oh, we want to make more money and 
we're going to do it through sponsorship and how can you help us? And I say, well, it's not, people aren't just waiting to give you money. You have to think about it from the sponsor perspective. So what do they want and what are their objectives and how do we meet that? And what's, you know, what's a re- like, have you ever tried asking your sponsor what they want? And so they're not endless bags of money that just give you money and you can just, you know, they're not a necessary evil of like, oh, well, they're going to give us money. Oh boy, we got to actually do stuff for them. Like majority of the sponsors may, they, they'll have, a decent size engine and money and resources and maybe even more resources than you have at the association. So use them, like get them integrated into what you're doing and help them elevate your program, help them help use them to help elevate your content, your program, your whatever you're doing. It's not just give me the money and I'll put your logo on something. Like how do you make meaningful relationships with these organizations? Because quite likely they can really help drive member value. So Right, right. And if you think about starting like a sponsorship program, uh, being an association, right? Why do you think you'd want to start? Like, do you first connect and learn from your members? Like what more value that you can deliver to them? Or should you just start speaking with the partners and then understand what the partners can provide to the members and add, um, add to the benefits to your members itself? Yeah, the first thing I do is do basically an asset check of like what assets do we have to sell? Like what what is our value proposition as an organization and what assets? And by assets, I mean conference, education, webinars, uh, corporate partnership, you know, benefits, thought leadership, events. Uh, what do we have to sell and why would it be appealing to anybody else out there? That's the first step and go, okay, yeah, right. We've got these really cool things that we do. And we think that there's an audience there. Now there's steps that you can take, you know, maybe it's a focus group with potential, you know, supplier members or potential sponsors, or maybe you've had sponsors in the past that have left. So you talk to them, Hey, you know, why did you leave? What was there no value? What was the value? What was the problem? Um, But I would first take stock of what are you offering? And do we think, you know, um, that there's some value here for a potential organization to sponsor. And then, and from there, um, then I would start doing a bit of the things that you talked about me as a re- like, you know, focus groups or, or interviews or talking to members or a bit of that research. I would first take stock of, of your value proposition and what you're doing. Like what are, what are, what are we fundamentally offering? The sponsorship can't drive the business. It can be a nice compliment, but you can't change your programming because of sponsorships, like you've got to take a look at all the things you're already doing and finding value, who would find value in that. And that's, and then take all of those assets. And then there's a whole pricing strategy and everything else. But I would first take, take stock of, okay. And, and listen, a lot of associations that have been around quite a while, they'll, um, sponsors will, there may be some inbound sponsors. So, you know, most associations will at least have one or two sponsors that have been arrested. So there's sometimes if sponsors are approaching you, um, there's obviously something there. Right, right. So thank you for sharing your thought process in regards of like uh, how you're acquiring sponsors for your organization and how association can work um, in their sponsorship project as well. But what are the common challenges that you have faced in the past or you think that association face when looking into um, sponsorship or acquiring sponsorship program for themselves? Yeah, I think some of the things that I touched on, I think it's it's an afterthought. I think it's there's never any dedicated staff towards sponsorship. I think it's, a, it's always off the corner of somebody's desk. And so it doesn't get the attention that it deserves. Um, that's one common challenge. I think a lot of it is to do with, oh, we, you know, who can we get to give us the money? But maybe we don't want to do a whole lot for that money. Um, and yeah, those would be the two biggest challenges would be finding the time to secure sponsorships and then finding the time to deliver on the sponsorship deliverables. Associations, you know, yeah, a lot of associations are are not huge staff. And so it takes, it's a team effort, right? Like if the salesperson brings in a $50,000 sponsorship, probably the whole team's got to help deliver that. They might have, you know, some benefits on the webinars. So you've got like this webinar right now, you've got a sponsor for it. Now Niaz is he's not the sponsorship guy, but he's now got to thank the sponsor at the beginning and at the end, and he's got to deliver on some of those benefits. But Niaz is going, well, I didn't have to do that before, but now you have a part to play in those deliverables. So you have to get everybody on board. So um, it's the, the finding the time to find the sponsors and, uh, and acquire them and then be making sure that they're happy. Right. Right. And then, yeah, that, that definitely makes sense that like 
when it comes to the team team you have to do that teamwork you have to wear multiple hats and you have to make sure that you're uh, working in the same direction uh, to help in the whole process of getting um, the sponsorship program uh, and something that you have mentioned that like in most cases a lot of association like the two big things that is that they lack in time they don't usually have that amount of time to spend behind a sponsorship project and then the other thing is they have a very lean team. And when talking about lean team, uh, like this one actually goes to Lydia itself, uh, because when it comes to lean team, uh, it's very difficult to have like that effort into marketing as well. And like a lot of association doesn't, like I've came across the association that where they haven't put a lot of effort into marketing for their uh, revenue generation and for their growth as well. Uh, so I really wanted to learn from Lydia, like, how can marketing can support the growth of an association? Yeah, well, marketing can help a lot. Um, for one, there is the lead generation that we call in marketing. Um, that is through targeting your potential members. So you can create a campaign based on that. Um, and you know, new members means new revenue for um, new revenue for your association. So that's one. Um, the member acquisition, you can have, yeah, like I said, like a campaign, you can have um, email campaigns, you can have social media campaigns. So basically what you want to do is create awareness when it comes to your association and making sure that those potential members know about your association. And then they know they know where to go when they want to be a member of your, um, of your organization. Um, one of the things also that helps um, is through member retention. So... Um, as soon as a member is um, part of your association, we don't want to forget about them. We want to make sure that they know, they are aware of the benefits that you have. They are aware of all the events that you have, all of the webinars that you have, all of the resources that you have. And that is that can be done through automated marketing. Um, so like what we do is that um, we make sure that they are aware of um, yeah, the events. So the promotion, so it can be the pre-registration, during the event and also even after the promotion, after the event. Um, so yeah, one of the, also um, what I wanna highlight is um, in when it comes to automated marketing and, and all these tools is in um, renewals. So you can create um, automated renewals so you don't have to think about it. So that's extra time for your staff instead of having to send an invoice and sending an, you know, a reminder for their members. This is something that you could just automate yourself and the members can renew themselves. Right, right. So it's not basically like when you, we consider marketing, it's not about like promoting an event or like promoting something that uh, like promoting, uh, let's say a resource that has been published. It's about pretty much everything that is going into the association itself, like the whole renewal process and reminding um, your, uh, your members about the renewal process, uh, reminding your members about um, any any announcement within the association itself that is definitely considered as marketing as well. And that is something that can be automated, of course. But then again, uh, when it comes to finding an automated tool for marketing, like um, in terms of strategies or like uh, like associations looking for automate, uh, automated tool for marketing, it can get overwhelming at times. But what are the things that you'd actually look into while considering an automation tool for marketing for your association? Yeah, um, I think it really boils down to what your objectives and goals are for the business and also for the marketing. You want to consider what you want to accomplish with these tools. Um, yeah, so that's the the very core of it. Um, if it doesn't help anyone, if it doesn't do any, um, if, if it doesn't accomplish any goal, then there's no point in getting that tool. So that's the first and foremost. Um, the second thing you would have to consider is also budget. Um, every organization has their limitations. So you want to make sure that you make the most out of your financial investment. And um, I guess you would also look at um, the features and the functionality of that tool. So um, what exactly, what part of the marketing or the task it is that you want to automate and how effective it will be when it comes to automating those tasks for you. Right, right. And uh, so when you talk about the budget itself, this brings a question in my head for the both of you, right? So in terms of uh, like, what are the ways, like 
Ed did mention about sponsorship itself, but what are the ways that you can generate more revenues or some revenues uh, besides me your membership fees that can help you or the whole idea about investing on technology as well and how you're going to work on that? I was talking with somebody and I, I don't know if the, if, if the gripe tool does this or the, the automated marketing piece, I don't know if there, somebody was talking about a tool that they were looking at or using and uh, around automated marketing and it was like using the insights from the membership and so this is sort of a new thing that associations are thinking about is like okay so we know that ed it comes to our annual conference and he come he does uh he buys two books a year and he does his designation and so this is the thing these are the things that we should be talking to ed about then it says hey we noticed that ed purchased the conference pass but he didn't buy the VIP ticket and he always does or, you know, or he's bringing somebody. And so we should recommend. So it starts recommending things like, hey, we should sell at a VIP ticket. Da, 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 da. Now what they're doing, the, the level of where it's getting is like it doesn't even ask permission anymore for you to for you to uh, for the association. Like you set the parameters. And so it's not even asking like, hey, should we recommend just sending the email? Be like, hey, we noticed Ed should probably buy a VIP ticket. It just sends it to me. And, or, hey, we noticed that Ed attended all these leadership sessions. Like, we're going to send Ed some stuff on leadership. Hey, we got a new leadership book. We should probably sell them on it. And so that is where the world is going. I don't think a lot of associations have that level of, of technology yet. I don't think a lot of organizations do, to be honest. But um, that, I think, is where we're headed. And, and so you asked the question about more revenue. That's where it's going to come. I think a, lot, a, a good chunk could come from is, hey, we got to talk to Ed about what Ed wants to hear about. And this is where we can talk to Ed. And this is where, you know, by nature, we're giving him what he wants, but also we're making a bit more money because we're only talking, we're not, he's not tuning out because we're talking to him about the designation, but he already has it. So why are we still like, hey, sign up for the designation? Well, I already have it. So why am I getting that email? Uh, so really being targeted with the things that you're selling and the people that you're talking to. Right, right. Yeah, that's uh, that's something that's, that's really amazing when it comes to technology itself. Like, as you mentioned about us, like, uh, we haven't went to that level yet, like, in terms of sending out, like, emails based on your user activity. Like, we just built on the resources itself. Like, depending on the type of resources that you interact with within the platform, you get smart recommendation on similar resources that you can look into. And something that has came up, and as I mentioned, that the whole idea about member engagement itself, like uh, a lot of association executives and staff have asked this question, how many emails is good enough emails to send out to your members, right? And uh, the answer was always, and this answer also came from Amanda Kaiser as well. Uh, the answer was always like, you can send as many emails as you want to your members, but as long as it's relevant to them, like as long as this is what they are looking for and this aligns with what they understand a value from the association itself. So depending on uh, that aspect, like any number of communication is fine. And uh, I believe that's where the smart recommendation and smart emailing uh, would come into place as well, the whole automated uh, marketing aspect of it. Um, yeah, I think media has something on her mind as well. No, I totally agree. Um, that's something that we also do in marketing. Um, that's, uh, yeah, we have the triggers in place for your actions, your behaviors when it comes to, let's say, the, the website or the association. And so that triggers like an automated sequence. So that's something that we do um, based on your behavior when it comes to our website. So then we can see like, okay, they browse this page, they're interested with something, then maybe we can promote um, this event for them. So that's definitely something that associations can do. And I believe that that's, that's also in the roadmap when it comes to member lounge. We're hoping to implement that by the end of the year or early next year. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, yeah, and then coming to that part as well, like we did talk about value prop proposition several times during the conversation itself. But when it comes to creating that um, sponsorship project or program, like what are usually the things that sponsors expect from their partnership? Yeah, I think, I think, you know, value for sure. And ROI, you'll hear the term ROI floated around quite a bit. So it's like, why am I putting money in here? I can use that. If I'm putting a $15,000 sponsorship in, can I, where, where else can I spend my money? Can I spend it on Google ads? Can I spend it on social media ads? Can I spend it with another association? Can I spend it? So they want, 
ROI. They want, how am I getting my business? How, and I always say to every partner, year one is always tough. Like you got to get in, you got to feel it out. You got to start the relationship and you get what you put in. Um, you get out what you put in, but I think there's, uh, so some organizations want ROI like every six months. And sometimes it's hard to always say, Hey, you know, this is a, this is for me I, in the association space, I always call it a bit more of a journey than a, than a, you know, it's a bit more about the journey than, than, uh, than anything else. You know, it, it's getting them to come along with you and say, okay, how do we do this together? And how do we, you know, if you're winning, then I'm winning and our members are winning. So if our members are purchasing your solution and it's a good one and they're happy and then, and we're providing that introduction, that's great. It wins. It's a win for us. It's a win for you. And it's a win for the members. So, um, you know, I say to them, if you put your logo on the website, don't expect 500 people to come to your business, you know, overnight, just because your logo is on the website. So it's just working meaningfully together and, and listening and, and, and uh, yeah, and, and uh, working together. Right, right. And uh, something that you did mention about the ROI behind it, right? So many associations find it difficult uh, to quantify the impact of the sponsorships on their bottom line, right? So how do you usually track uh, your progress of success and failure of sponsorship revenue and how you can actually calculate the return on investment? Yeah, I think it's it's incumbent on you to do fulfillment reports. There's a couple tools out there. There's a tool I was chatting with the guy the other day, Pando Partner, and they do like tracking and delivery and uh, and uh, of benefits. So they say, hey, this is what you get. This is what you're getting, uh, and this is uh, and this is helps with you with those deliverables, so that you're proving value to the sponsors, and so you don't lose them. Um, so I think it's, you know, incumbent upon the association to say, hey, here's the, like a deliverable tracker, like here's what we're doing for you. And here's how you were, you were getting ROI and providing those metrics. And then also for the sponsor to, to ask the right questions and say, okay, you know, A, am I getting in front of the right people? How much business am I getting out of this? So those lead lists I'm getting, those people I'm being in front of is a good brand awareness. Some stuff is intangible. Like there are some intangibles that you're just like, I need to be here in this room as a sponsor but I, it's for awareness. Like, outs, like I might not get ten leads from this, but it's 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 people only need you when they need you, right? So people say, yeah, thanks so much, but then they think about you, and then a year later, like, oh, I'm looking for a new solution. Oh yeah, that person was at this event. I should call them. So it's not an immediate return, and that's why I talk about the journey uh, piece a little bit more. So yeah, and that's the thing. And something that also came up is that what it comes to sponsorship when it comes to partnership itself like sponsors right now wants to be thought leader in the industry itself they want to come in front of the members and they find a huge value being that part within um, the association or like within the community itself so what do you think about that and how you can actually promote that aspect yeah for thought leadership i think if there's a misconception that sponsors are you know a necessary evil or a you know, we've got to bring them into thought. I think you should be delighted that some sponsors that you can bring in, they have a lot of, like a lot of them have big budgets and big resources and a lot to contribute. I think depending on the space that you're in, if you're the dietitians and you want, you know, McDonald's as your premier sponsor, there might be some conflicts there. But um, but I do think that there's a way you you work together with your partner and say, what can you contribute uh, this really meaningful. Like a sponsor is not going to want to come in and do a sales pitch. They're not and say like I, if I'm pitching them on this and they're not interested. Like they want your input. They want to know how to best approach your members. So they want that they you you all want to have the same outcome. So I think just you know working with them and saying yeah we could do thought leadership whether it be white papers, webinars, all that kind of stuff. It's really just about um, uh, building it out that makes sense for your members. So if you have a sponsor that has really good a good solution for your members and uh, and experts in the field then pull them in you know it's not uh it's it, it, you shouldn't feel bad about it right right and something that we have been hearing is that like there are in a lot of cases members are actually wanting to come and meet the partners like in regards of um, like who can actually in terms of the suppliers and then the suppliers has um and like has the urgency or has the need to come in front of the members as well. So like, so that they can communicate with each other. And I have came across few associations where they really didn't like this aspect of it. And then there are like a lot of associations who wanted to promote this. So what do you like, what's your thought process on this and how you would want to like, if 
it is like you would want to promote it. What's the best way to promote the process as well? If I'm understanding the question correctly, it's how do we promote some of the things that sponsors are doing to our members? Is that kind of the, the question? Yeah, right. I think it's, yeah, I think it depends. I think you, again, it comes back to, we get this all the time in different associations. It's like our sponsor wants, like I get calls, people like, can I pay for an e-blast? And I'm like, no, oh, you can't pay for an e-blast because A, it's, you're not going to get the results you want. B, our members are like, who's this? Like this random company that just comes in and out with an e-blast, like that doesn't, it, it's not, nobody cares. And so, uh, so any partnership I outforge has got to be, you know, whether it's an event sponsor or it's got to be one that I see real value in it for the members. And uh, I've had to say no before. I'm like, this isn't a great fit. Like this, the, the members, it just doesn't make sense. Um, not very often do you do that because usually sponsors will kind of get it. Like they're not going to spend money on a relationship that doesn't make sense. But sometimes you're like, no, this doesn't really make, I don't think you're going to get the value out of this that that you hope. And so um, in terms of promoting things that the sponsors are doing, um, yeah, I think it's uh, sometimes we do. If there's an opportunity for us to share that out uh, and it makes sense, we do. Perfect, perfect. And um, this goes us to um, automated marketing as well, because we were looking into the ROI and the metrics, like in terms of what you're getting in return from the investment as a member perspective and a sponsor perspective. Like, how do you track the progress of automated marketing as well, like when it comes to uh, membership revenue or like association revenue? Yeah, um, there are a lot of tools where that helps you track all of these things. Um, I think first and foremost is that you will want to set your specific goals and objectives in the first place. So you can track um, whatever KPIs that, is, that you need for your, um, yes, for, for your analysis. Um, so there are ways of doing that. Um, or so let's say for like that, if it's an um, event, then you can just track like the number of registrations. Um, so, or if it's for emails, then you can track the number of opens or the click rates. Um, it really depends on what campaign it is and what channel you have your campaign in to make sure that your metrics and the way that you're tracking it matches your objectives and your goals. Right, right. And um, so in regards of that, like the key metrics is to understand like the open rate of your emails, the click-through rate through your emails as well, like whatever you're sharing with your members um, as well when it comes to events and like depends on like how many registrations that you have and then compare it with the amount, like the number of attendance that you have from your members. Um, the other thing um, is the resources aspect of it as well. Like the resources that you have on your platform and uh, and you're sharing, how many people are coming and viewing those resources for you. Uh, is this mainly the key metrics that um, you should look into when it comes to automated marketing or is there any other aspect of aspect to it? Um, yeah, so there is a lot of ways to make, um, there are a lot of ways to create automated marketing. So um, it really depends on the channel that you have. So let's say for social media, um, it depends on like what level of engagement it is that you have for that. Um, but there, you could also measure like um, the website traffic that it comes in. So for let's say for this um, for this event that we're holding right now, so we have the email campaign for this. We have different forums, different channels of promoting this, and we can also track exactly where the registrants are coming from. So we know exactly where you're coming from, from what channel it is, and so. That way we can measure, engage, and then pivot accordingly. Right, right. Um, yeah, in that regards, like as like association usually face a lot of challenges, uh, like due to lack of experience and as well as guidance when it comes to automated marketing or sponsorship itself, right? So what do you think are the common pitfalls or mistakes that associations should avoid when implementing uh, like a sponsorship program, a sponsorship? initiative or an automation in, in, like automation initiative like this question goes out to both ed and media i guess a common pitfalls for when it comes to marketing is that really not setting the right objectives because you if you don't have the right objectives and the right goals in mind then you would have the different expectations and i've, I've seen it several times where 
they want to create, let's say, brand awareness, but they're doing it through a different channel and therefore they were expecting something else. And that's a common thing. If you don't have a full understanding of your tools, the features that you're in, that that it has, and what it can do for your association, then of course the needs are not aligned. The value proposition of that tool also is not aligned with your needs. And that's where the pitfall can come in. Right, right. And what uh, what like what does comes into like when you're working on a sponsorship initiative? Yeah, can I say ditto? That was a great answer, Lily. I think it's uh, it's I think the 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 main thing is understanding the value and understanding what you're offering. And the main pitfalls of a sponsorship program is just making assumptions and being like, people are there to give me money, and I, we should like I get that all the time. You're like, well, we should somebody should sponsor this for fifty thousand. I'm like, why? Like, why do you think that somebody should sponsor that for fifty thousand dollars? Like that. I, it's hard to separate the two that you're like so invested in your own association, which is a really great thing. And then trying to separate the fact that you now have to educate this potential sponsor about what you do and also tell them why it's valuable for them to be involved. And also not to mention that all of these sponsors are have, you know, limited amount of dollars to spend and so much competition. Like there are so many places to put money. Like when you give me a $50,000 sponsorship budget, I could spend that like that. Unlike one or five organizations, like it can go like this. So I think the biggest pitfall is to overestimate how much you think you can bring in. And I think that the biggest, another one is when you bring sponsors in, you really nurture those relationships because if you keep them warm and happy, then it's so much easier in year two and three and four. But when you're not engaged with them, it's a lot harder coming back year over year saying, cut me a check again. Right. And um, like Lydia did mention about like there are different types of auto, like automated marketing as well as when it comes to sponsorship, there are different types of sponsorship initiatives as well. Like what are the key uh, like like automated marketing initiatives that um, you can start with as an association and it goes for the sponsorship as well? Like what are the key sponsorship initiatives that you can start with as an, as an association? Yeah, I think that there was a study when it comes to um, membership that the first 90 days are crucial for a new member so that that's the whole onboarding process. And I think that's often overlooked by associations. Um, if you're doing that, then that's great that, you know, um, that's amazing. That's something that's really contributing to, the, to your retention rate. Um, so that's one of the things that we see that can be improved when it comes to associations is to create that communication on the first 90 days or in the first three months of their member um, and making sure that that member understands the value. And they are reminded of your value proposition when as an association and why they are a member of your association. So often the the yeah the disconnect is between like they are members now okay so they're counted as one member and that's it and then you forget about them so it is crucial to retain that member retention member communication all throughout their member life cycle right right and when you talk about the member life cycle itself like uh does it think like yeah you already mentioned about onboarding itself like the whole onboarding process and how crucial the first 90 days is uh, because if the member is engaged for the first 90 days um, with that decision itself, I believe that they can already make the decision if they are finding the value within the for their membership. And like I believe that they can make the decision that if they want to renew the membership next year as well, within the first 90 days, if you're if they're able to get enough value out of it. And the whole idea of automated marketing and um, the existing engagement initiatives that you have for your association. And you did talk about uh, the renewal process as well, like um, in terms of the renewal, like you can put and create automated marketing initiatives as well. Is there any other membership journey process that you can think of where you can add auto, auto, like automated marketing into it? Yeah, I would just um, emphasize on the communication that you have during their membership. So making sure that they have several touch points in between. So you don't want to wait until the very last minute and, and see that, okay, they're not engaged. What do we do? Because by that time that you see that they're not engaged and you're up there up for renewal, and that's usually the time that you would look if they're engaged or not, it might be too late for the member to change their mind when it comes to the value of your association for them. So you want to make sure that constant con consistent touch points are there for your members and that can be done through automated marketing so you don't have to constantly you know, create doc um create 
content for them, create and make sure make sure that you send an email to them. So it's all set up for you. All you have to do is just sit and relax and make sure that they're getting it. Right, right. And Ed, like uh, when it comes to sponsorship as well, like how, like what are the type of sponsorship or what are the key sponsorship initiatives that an association can start with? Yeah, I think, uh, well, to Lydia's point on the on the membership journey and like the automated marketing piece, I think it's really talking to the members in the right way, like talking to the members about what they want to be talked about. And so I think it's a similar, I think, you know, not to not to simplify it, but I think on the sponsorship lens, I think the first thing you can start out, I think I may have mentioned it, but just like taking a control of what your, your value prop is and what your assets are and better understanding your membership and, and just getting in, taking it, this is an avenue of, of uh, that you want to explore a sponsorship, um, then I think getting a really good handle on on your starting point. Like, are you already here and you have $500,000 in the sponsorship coming in? Are you doing a good job of it? Or are you here? In some cases, being here is not a bad thing because then you can go, okay, we're creating this program and we can do it right from the get-go. And sometimes you're here and you go, okay, how do we how do we get to the million dollar level or how do we double and, and what other things can we do? And so, I, the first thing I always do is do a bit of a landscape review, I call it. So what are we doing? What else is everybody else doing? What's our competition like? It's almost like a SWOT analysis in a way. And uh, and uh, how do we, how do we, where are we, where, where are we coming from? What's the ground that we're standing on and how do we get better? Right, right. And then you also did mention about like uh, sponsorship through conferences, sponsorship through events. And uh, I believe that there are like um, cash sponsorship as well as sponsorship as well so how would you differentiate uh like with those sponsorship and what do you think would be an ideal scenario for each uh sponsorship initiatives like what are the type of associations that can start with like a certain type of uh sponsorship initiatives for generating revenue for themselves yeah i think there's in kind and there's cash cash is always king but uh I think in-kind sponsorship is a good thing to look at. If you say, hey, you know what? We have to spend money on this anyway. So AV is a big one. So can you get an in-kind AV sponsor or is there sponsorships that that just help you mitigate your expenses? Um, and so if you're doing an event, I would look at all of, honestly, I, how I would do it is I take a look at all of the expense lines and go, okay, here's what we have to spend money on. It adds up to $250,000. And I say, how do I... How do I take that down to $100,000 through sponsorship, through meaningful partnerships and sponsorships? And then what else can we sell on the cash side? So lowering your costs is a great way to, to engage sponsors and reduce your your, your, your costs. Right, right. Um, and if we think about like the today's uh, digital landscape, right? So like we talked about uh, the whole sponsorship and the types of type of sponsorship and the sponsorship initiatives, as well as uh, we talked about how automated marketing is and how like what are the type of automated marketing that we can do. But um, in today's landscape, how how can associations strike a balance between personalized automated marketing strategies and genuine uh, like human engagement to maximize sponsorship opportunities and to drive consistent revenue overall? Yeah, I would say that um, it's similar to sponsors. They're not really um, an evil, you know. Um, this automated tools are there to help you. It's like um, it's there to make your work faster and more efficient for you. But it's not going to replace that personalization and, you know, um, part of your uh, of yeah of your association. So use it at, at the most, but um, you want to make sure that it, makes it faster for you to deliver the value to your association, to your members, but it will not replace that that engagement on your part. So yeah, you can still, you can create the email, you can make all of the messages, but it's just a tool that sends it to your members. So I think we have to make sure that we all understand that. And it's, um, it's crucial that we understand that those are the tools that make us efficient, but it's not gonna replace our engagement. I think the line, as they say, the AI is not going to replace people. It's only going to replace people that don't know how to use AI. It's like, still got it's still going to be the people. So, right, right. And uh, so, in terms of that, like, uh, how would you balance it out? Like, in terms of creating those sponsorship initiatives and like bringing those sponsorship initiatives into your automated marketing and using your automated marketing to gain more sponsorship, uh, like. Uh, sponsorship programs or like sponsored revenue 
yeah, I think automated marketing, I think it's just, I think you can, you know, it's the same, same rule that Lydia was talking about that applies, like talking to the right people about the things that they want to hear about. So if I've got a partner that has an affinity program for rental cars, then I, we know that a certain subset of our members want to talk about or listen here, hear about rental cars, then that's great. We can talk to those 100 members about the rental car offer. But if 500 of them don't, then that's great. We don't need to talk to them about that. So using automation tools is great because now we can leverage the sponsors in a different way and say, hey, you don't need to talk to all 2000 members. You can only, you only need to talk to these fit. Like every sponsor I work with, they say, how do we get different verticals? Like which vertical do we want to go after? Which type of, of your member do we want to talk to? And how do we want to talk to them? Do we want to talk to them differently? So I think, um, I think uh, using the tools to, to, to talk to the right people the right way is, is a really smart move for, for sponsors. Um, yeah, like that definitely makes sense. But as you have mentioned, like, you know, reaching out to your members, uh, to your partner programs and everything. And you did mention about like, like sometimes it might not actually make sense to do an email blast uh, to all your members coming from the sponsors, the sponsors itself. So how do you balance that privacy of member data with automated marketing? Uh, like even it comes from like the whole association announcement perspective or even from the sponsorship perspective. So our member data? So like, um, yeah, member data, like how do you balance the privacy of member data? Uh, like the things that um, like they want to look into or the things that they would want to learn from the association, but then, or from the part of, or from the sponsorship as well, like from the partnership as well, how you're managing that member data, like you're sharing those member data to your partners and um, making sure that it has like that privacy segment of it, like balancing that out with your members and your partners? Yeah, I think first and foremost, you're not supposed to share the member data with your partners. I and mean, you can share um, different um, data, like the result of, um, let's say if you conducted a survey, the result of that survey, or the feedback of the members that they that you have when it comes to the sponsorship. But um, you have to draw the line between what you can share, especially if it's the sensitive information and Basically, what you could do is just focus on the result and what those results are. So let's say you have the metrics, you have the reports, then you can share those reports with your sponsors. But um, I don't think it could be the, like any other information that you have. And I think the bottom line is that you're supposed to protect your members. You're there for the members. You're not there for the sponsors. Um, Ed, do you want to add anything to that? No, I don't decide. I agree with you. I think that you got to look at, you know, it's all comes down to sort of trust and, and, and working with your members and understanding what, you know, what role you play in between your members and the, the sponsors. And I think that um, it's the old ethics test. If it's on the front page of the newspaper, do you want people to see it? And if you're making those decisions where you're like, yeah, I'm pretty comfortable with that, then you're probably doing it. Okay. All right. And so, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, as you talk about automated messages and talking to your members, there's a there's a, there's a delicate and uh, a nice way to do it. And I think that uh, it's all about value. So if your sponsor's offering is valuable, then great. Your members, at least a portion of them, probably want to hear about it. If you're pushing things out that aren't valuable, that's a conversation that you have with your sponsor. Right, right. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for all those amazing insights to sponsorships and to automated marketing uh, to generate more revenue. I think we have like a crunch of time, like we're almost at the end of our panel discussion itself. And I would love to um, ask you some questions that came from uh, the registrants that we have and from the attendees that we have. Like if you want to add any more questions uh, from like in terms of the audience itself, you can definitely type it on chat and both Lydia and um, Ed can attend to that. But other than that, during the registration process, we did ask a few questions to the audience itself, to all the registrants itself. And they came with amazing, like few amazing questions as well. And uh, this one goes out to Ed, like how do we proactively combat this economic challenge with sponsorship, having budget cuts? Yeah, it's a good question. I wish I had an easy solution for you. I think uh, <laughs> it's real. Like people aren't like giving, I found the year out of COVID the first year, was really strong because people were coming back. And then last year, 
started weighing this year, it's a little bit tight. And so people aren't seeing the same numbers that they used to. And uh, interest rates are up. I think it's a different time and companies aren't giving the way that they're just getting narrower. So it's again, finding that focus and being like, okay, these are the ones that I can really demonstrate value for. Um, and that may mean that, uh, reinventing, you know, a little bit. So, hey, you know what, this is an opportunity we didn't think about that's a potential sponsor opportunity or giving more and saying, hey, okay, we know you might leave us for, for you know, it, we know, you know, you're $10,000. We know you're not getting enough or budgets are tight. Why don't you keep the 10,000 and we'll give you more. Like we'll give you another webinar. We'll give you something else to keep you, to have you stay. And so through the pandemic, every sponsor I had, I gave them everything I could be and they stayed. And it was simply because it's, we had that relationship and it's like, don't leave. Don't worry. We'll be good stewards of your money. We'll, um, will help and will deliver as much as we possibly can for you. And that's what good partners do. Wonderful, wonderful. That definitely makes sense. And I believe that's one of the very reasons that we always partner with CSAE. Uh, it always roots from Ed himself, like how we can connect with CSAE and how we have been, like we like always want to become a partner with CSE when it comes to their events, annual conferences, their summer summit, or even when it comes to their own very own platform on CSE Connect. Um, so this question, I believe it goes out to Lydia and as well as uh, Ed, it came from Patricia Rafael. Uh, how do you apply automated marketing to current sponsors? And how do you use automated marketing to retain sponsors? So yeah, you could use the automated marketing, like um, the channels that you have to create value for that sponsor. So like what Ed was saying, so it really depends on the value proposition and if it matches the needs of the members. So like if it matches their needs, then yes, reach out to their members and promote that sponsor. So that's one of the things that you could do um, to generate more sponsors um i believe that if you can justify the value that their sponsorship has with your association through either yeah, tangible like if it's definitely like um you can have a report on that one and you can automate those reports for you then that's great so that's one of the things that um automated marketing can help with sponsorship uh, anything from ed well, I think we sort of touched on that earlier too. I think it's, right. I, I don't have much else to add, but I think that uh, exactly as, as Lydia is saying, it's all about uh, the value and, and talking to the people the right way. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And then we have another question from um, Laura Lee Hege. Uh, she asked like how best to aggregate a pool or pool sponsorship opportunities for presentation to prospective sponsors. Can you read that one more time for me? Yeah. How best to aggregate or pool sponsorship opportunities for presentation to your prospective members? Oh, I see. Yeah, I think I think that's a good question, actually. I think that there's there's a way, like I'm finding now when we go out with like one thing at a time, it's like a menu at a restaurant. If there's 50 things on the menu, it's overwhelming. And so I'm finding it now keeping it short and sweet. And so pooling the right things for the right people. So that's I'll go back. It's a conversation with the sponsor. It's getting a foot in the door and being like, hey, fundamentally, do you want to be associated with us? Yes. Okay. We've got this. Now we can talk about the buffet. Like now we can talk about what's on the buffet. So we can say, okay, we've got this, we've got this, we've got this. For a going out strategy, don't send them 24 pages of every single event and thing that you do. It's They won't read it. So it's like high level. Here's background on our organization. Here's what we do. Here's the demographic stuff. Here's stuff that you want to know for value. And then, hey, by the way, we do these events. Uh, here's some expected attendance, and we do these webinars. Da, 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 da. Then you can have those conversations, and then pool them specifically for whatever partner. So I think going out with a big pool of things together doesn't make sense. It may make sense for one, but it won't make sense for another. Does that make sense? Right, right. Of course. Um, anything to add, Lydia? No, I thought that was great. He just, I just provided like a framework on how to do things properly. So that's great for our associations. Awesome. Awesome. Perfect. Um, I know we are at our one hour mark. So we, <laughs> we're call, going to call it quits today. But uh, like for Ed and Lydia as well, like what would be your key takeaways for our audiences today? 
Uh, sure, I'll jump in. I think uh, I think just, you know, we're all so busy doing so many things. Slow down, have a look at what you're doing, take a good real assessment of the programs and and, and take stock of what you're doing. Take stock of, you know, where you want to be with sponsorship or revenue generation and go after the lowest hanging fruit first. So if there's ways, don't create new things until you look at you're maximizing the things that you're already doing. So don't, I think sometimes we get into this world where people, oh, we should have another event or do this other thing. Is there a way to make that $20,000 in an existing event? Or is there a way to make more money? The things that we're already doing, let's do them really well and then start focusing on new things and uh, and just get uh, get a bit strategic and, and think about there's uh, all kinds of ways to do it. But take stock of what you're doing. Focus on that. Make be the best of what you're doing. And then uh, and then focus on uh, those sponsorship opportunities that align with with your value prop. Amazing. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, for marketing, I would say that um, embrace technology. It's there. It's going to help you. It's going to make your life easier. Um, yeah, there's no need to be scared like with AI or anything else. Um, um, so it's there to help you. Um, and then I would say that everyone can benefit from a little bit of marketing. So um, marketing is there to help you succeed and make sure that everyone knows about your association. So make the most of it. Perfect, perfect. Uh, thank you so much, Lydia, as well. And thank you, Ed. Uh, it, this has been a wonderful and insightful event for me as well because I got to learn so many things from the both of you. And I hope our audiences could do the same, could learn so many things from the both of you as well. And uh, Ed and both Lydia, like, thank you so much for being uh, like a catalyst for this discussion as well as for our member launch community like in terms of the community forum that we are launching today uh, Ed is always going to be there um, I, I'm not sure if he'll be always answering the questions but I'm definitely sure that he'll be attending to the questions that requires attention for sure so Ed is one of our expert panels and he's going to be very active on our online community so if you have any questions for Ed or Lydia as well, you can just join our community and start posting those questions here. And uh, like apart from the community itself, is there any other best possible way to connect with you, Ed and Lydia, if the audience wants to connect with you? Sure, I'll just pop my email on the chat there. Awesome. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Lydia. Perfect. And trust and and trust uh, trust us as well, because anytime you post anything on our online. Uh, forum, like in terms of any questions, in terms of any discussions, in terms of sharing any resources, and like it directly goes to Ed's email as well. So it's going to be perfect. perfect. With a lot of emails. If there's a lot oh of boy. questions. <laughs> I don't know if I do that. I'm kidding. It's all good. Sweet. Awesome. Thanks, perfect. you guys. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Lydia. Thank you. And perfect. Perfect. And for the ones that uh, you want to stay and look into the whole sign-up process, you can stay back and we can walk through the whole sign-up process on Member Lounge. Perfect. And thank you, Adam, Lydia. Bye, guys. Thanks. Bye. All right. So I'll start sharing my screen uh, one more time just to look through the process of the sign-up. Uh, I believe that you should be able to sign yourself in to our platform. I see Lydia is still there. Um, can you give me a thumbs up, Lydia, if like you can see my screen? Awesome, perfect. And I'm on the right page as well, which is our gripe learning community, right? Perfect, perfect. So yes. this is <laughs> so this is how it is. Like it's very simple um, as always. Like you just have to type in um, memberlounge.app. Once you type in memberlounge.app, um, it's going to take you to our member lounge website and you just click on join member lounge uh, now. And once you click on join member lounge now, you have uh, like, if you're already, uh, uh, you, if you already have an account, you're automatically logged in. If you do not have an account, this is what it's going to look like. And you click on register. Uh, you just click on get started, you fill out all your information and select a password for yourself. And that creates an account on the platform. And then once you have an account, um, you put your put in your email and password that you have just created and you log in. Once you're here, you have our dynamic 
home tab where you have all, all the information in one place coming to any resources, any events that's coming up or any discussion that um, you're connecting with. And for each individual, it's going to be different as well, depending on what you're interacting with. So when you click on events, you should be able to see any upcoming events that we have um, on our platform. And you should be able to register for those events as well. In terms of resources, any past resources that we have when it comes to podcasts or webinars, you should be able to find all those resources here as well. Uh, and then the whole discussion part itself. So you have those specific topics like attract new members, member engagement, and non-due revenues, sponsorships, and pricing. So you can get into one of this um, group. You can start following the whole group, or you can start uh, for like posting or having a thread. So right now it's a launch today, so we don't have any members or any discussion. But if you go into, I believe we might have someone posting here already. So if you go into this, which is our non-due revenue sponsorship and pricing, you can see that somebody posted a question looking for tips on membership value pricing delivery. So it's very simple. When you click on new post, you put a title, you put a body, your questions. And if you want to share any files or anything, you should be able to do that. And you just click on publish and that's posted on the discussion forum itself. And you would be able to connect with uh, members through here. Uh, you would be able to connect with association leaders, association executives, as well as our experts uh, panels who would be answering all those questions itself. Um, it's very simple. If uh, you have any questions, you can always reach out to us. Uh, my email address is nias at cribe.ca. I'm posting it in the chat. And um, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. And we look forward to having you on our learning community. Take care. Bye-bye.